Hi, my name is Gavin O'Connor. I'm the director of Miracle. A few weeks before we started pre-production, we met in a hotel in Los Angeles and spent a marathon session as Herb walked us through his philosophies to the game, his approach to the sport, and his method to his madness. Uh, we lost Herb, and we thought it was important to include this footage as a tribute to the man who inspired this film and whose story we wanted to tell correctly. Welcome to a special episode of A Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart coming to you from Grand Bend, Ontario, as usual. But the topic today is something quite different. I came across on YouTube the raw footage of the uh, discussion that took place with Kurt Russell, the uh, actor who portrayed the late Herb Brooks in the movie, and the director and other individuals that were key to the making of the movie Miracle in a Los Angeles hotel room. And it was basically just a chance for the people involved in the motion picture to, to talk to Herb and hear his thoughts. His thoughts, as you might imagine, were most interesting. It will be done in parts, and I will introduce them one at a time. So here is, in the words of the coach, Herb Brooks. This first section is about Herb Brooks, the hockey player, and how difficult it was for him to get cut from the Olympic team in 1960. And that was the Olympics in Squaw Valley, interestingly enough for this kid from Kitchener-Waterloo, Team Canada was the Kitchener-Waterloo Dutchman. But Herb got cut from that team, and it was the Americans who won the gold medal. And so this is all about having to tell players that they didn't make the team. How difficult was it when, when you did cut Cox? That, that, that moment, there's two emotional moments for that one and then after. That was the emotional. Easy to do is send your assistant to it or post them, post them up. No, I had to do the eyeball, eyeball. Yeah. It was very, you know. I, I told a few people the story that when I dropped out of the University of Triumph for Olympic team that my dad sustained school study or not all American studies, stay in school study to find out, blah, blah, blah. So I dropped out. And and uh, I was a junior at the university and I dropped out. And I, all of a sudden, there's hundreds of guys in training camp between Boston and Minnesota, and all of a sudden, I'll go, I'll go fast forward on the story. Every day that the coach says, hey, bring your playbook, I want to talk to you. Uh, I phone my father and say, Dad, I'm still here. Dad, I'm still here. Dad, I'm still here. Now, six months go by, we play a lot of games for Europe, North America, what have you. Every day, I go, Dad, now we're two days before the Olympics in, in Squawville. And we're playing the Czech Olympic team in Denver in a room with Tommy Williams, the, the best young American player. And, his, and, and he and I were the youngest along with him. And this couple years old, Billy Christian, and one of them. But Tommy went right there to play the Boston Bruins with six teams. Okay, that's how good he was. And I don't, I don't unpack my bags. And Tommy says, hey, Herb, you made it. More goals and sis relaxed out. Tommy killing me, you know. And all of a sudden, so he knocked on the door, gentleman asked to go see the coach, and by the way, from the playbook, so let's see Coach Riley. And he says, everybody has a relationship. 
true story. And, and it's just, it's amazing. And I said, of course, I got more goals sitting in a healthy eye club. You see, you can find, but I got to go with an older team, and you and Tommy are the youngest guys. And I got just, you know, going to more experience. And now I got to go make a call to my father. So I called and said, Dad, this whole thing is both. It's an Eastern coach, all fixed all politics, and I went through the whole thing. And finally, you know, benching myself, and there must have been five minutes or so, I'm yapping. My father said, you're done. I said, yeah. I said, well, I keep your bleeping. He said, keep your mouth shut. I heard enough of that. So you get back and thank the coach. Get your ass in the locker room. Wish your teammates well. And get your ass home. That was my father. God rest his soul. I said, yes, sir. So I came home. I walked in the scene unfold. And the Soviets were just coming to power. The Canadians were the team to beat down here. The Americans got hot. And they won our country's first gold medal. I'm watching the same on TV. My father looked over at me. Kurt, he says, looks like the coach cut the right guy, didn't he? Just bang. You know, looks like the coach cut the right guy. Keep your mouth shut, blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know, there's other Olympic teams. You know, and, and, and I use this phrase, and it goes right back to them. You want to make sacrifices for the unknown. All right? And I've given this phrase to Mike time after time, and it was a key thing. And I tell our guys, there's the unknown. You have to make sacrifices for the unknown. We're going there. There's going to be sacrifices for this thing, guys. And I'm pounding this thing all the time. Don't carry me in tight. Don't give me this is a sacrifice. We're going there. So, and my father said, you want to say next sacrifice for the NFL? We played a couple Olympic games. We didn't win any medals. We had good American teams, you know. And... So now I go back to the Ralph Coxing. Now I got to send him home where I've been, in, and it was killed. I, I knew that day was coming, and I just, I didn't know how to act, it just killed me. But I knew I had to do it, I won't lie, and I couldn't take it easy on Sacrifice for the unknown. I love that. Sacrifice for the unknown. In this next section, it's about Herb's high standards for the Olympic team. There's a difference between a method and madness and maniacal. He's a maniac, but there's a, yeah. a reason for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, think, think, I think that some of the reason, reason for it. The reason is to being held, but I think there's a difference between being held to your highest standard, because yeah. that, as a player, you know that. It's inside, you know all he's trying to really do is make me play my test. And the problem is, if I really answer this test truthfully, is I don't like to push myself that hard all the time. A lot of these guys being college All-Americans, they were never pushed like that, never pulled. And I wasn't trying to put greatness into anybody. I was trying to pull it out, pull it out way up here. And I don't like coaches that try to put it in because they think they've got all the answers. But you got to believe in them, uh, have high standards uh, of them, pull it out. And my favorite coach, John Wooden right here, I think he would concur with that. I love what I just heard from the late Herb Brooks about the job of a coach is to draw out from the athlete, not to instill into the athlete. As Herb Brooks says, coaches who do that are coaches who think they have all the answers. And he refers to his favorite coach, which of course he said was John Wooden. And those who know me know that I concur fully. Uh, John Wooden was my favorite coach as well. This next section is on 
the All About the Soviet Squad and Coach Tarasov. I'd find out where the Soviets were practicing. And they used to have closed practice, and they'd say they're practicing A, and they'd be at B. Couldn't find them. They're very, very good. <laughs> but I'd show up and I'd watch them, and, and he would know that I was really interested in all the things they were doing. This is when you were, you, you, I was still at the University of Minnesota and getting ready for the Olympics. And then the World Champions 79, we tied the checks with all these young kids. Tied the checks 2 2 in Moscow. He's waiting for me after the game. Give me a great big go to Soviet bear hugs, you know, and comrade this. Because he saw what we were trying to do. He was a real sportsman. He was trying to. See a bigger picture. See a bigger picture. Yeah. He was very open about a whole preaching a new gospel of what was happening. And he was the father. He was probably more than anybody that changed the whole game of the world. This guy. Herb Brooks knew that they were if they were gonna win, they just couldn't keep doing the same things over and over again, you know, the definition of insanity. He knew that they had to do things that were different, and he refers to that in this next section. And when I interviewed for the job, I, I told the Olympic Committee in the best way I could that we can't be the same old, same old, same old style play, how we're going to think. All they used to do is take these great college athletes and go play college hockey again, raise a lot of money for the, for the Olympic team, then they go to the Olympic Games and get whacked. I said, we got to change this whole thing. We, it, I said, what you have, if you have competition without preparation, there's no development. We had to develop these people. So, I said, we'll go play three college games to get some money, and the rest, I put them in deep water. And then we did a lot of things in, in, through our training that was getting them out of that comfort zone, psychological comfort zone, physiological comfort zone. So I thought this, this hockey club was the best conditioned hockey club outside the Soviets in the world. Herb knew that if they were going to defeat the Europeans, they had to play like the Europeans, not like North Americans. And this is what he had to say on that topic. First of all, I would say, how can we, how will we be successful today? Okay, will we be successful playing a North American game in the Olympics, a North American style in the Olympics against the great uh, Europeans? No, I mean, it's been proven. So I'm, I'm saying that I gotta steal, that I gotta steal. What, what's, what makes the Soviets so great or the Czechs or the Swedes or all the great Europeans and as I said, one of the top ten scorers in the National Hockey League right now, nine of them are Europeans. Okay. What makes them great? Style of play, tremendous condition. So when, when every time you play the great European teams, you, know, you play for them a period two, you hit the wall and die. Right? Can't keep up. So we were gonna hit the wall. Next up for Coach Brooks was selecting the team, and there were some great lines in the movie about selecting the team. Let's listen in. Did you have an idea uh, going into the festival that there were certain guys that you knew were probably going to make this team? Oh yeah, you did. Yes. Because if I hadn't, then my year and a half research was, uh, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't very smart. I had a good idea. But there were some some guys in there that were coming along. I was, where's the only? I wasn't, no, he could play. Because I, I knew him a little bit, tracked him a little bit. I wanted to see how he was doing in this environment, you know. Because he was far by not our best hockey player. You know? yeah. He was a great guy and a good leader and that type of thing. So there were some guys that uh, that uh, came out of the woodwork, yeah. And there were some guys that, uh, you know, some of the guys, at least I had in Minnesota, I knew him flat out. 
Herb knew that attitude was everything. Let's hear him talk about the attitude that his players had to have in order to compete at that level. The team building thing with the Olympic team, I knew it had to be big because that had to be. So we had to overcome all these obstacles with, with, with enthusiasm, with a comradeship, with a great morale in the locker room. Yeah, they had talent. Yes, they were extremely young. But the team building thing was very important for us, okay? And, and I was there and, I, and you know, worked their tail off and they had to do, they had to reinvent themselves a lot. They had to reinvent themselves. They had to reinvent themselves. Their training was different. Uh, more intense, uh, the style of play was entirely different from whatever they had played before because we were now more of a hybrid type of team between the Europeans and, and, and the Canadians. But the, so they had to reinvent themselves. And they only could do this with A, they had to have a good, person, uh, a good personal attitude, plus they had to be in an environment where, where, where it was uh, conducive to team building. The players that we had were well-rounded players that could adapt to a whole new style of play. Right. Okay? more of an interchangeable style of playing and all that sort of stuff. So they were very well-rounded and they're really tough psychologically. They were hard-bitten, tough people and that could be pulled and at times pushed, but mostly pulled and understood that great do it again, you know, and they had a tremendous mental resilience. They were tough, tough young people. No team wins without great goaltending. The goalkeeper in this case was Jim Craig and the relationship between the coach and the goalkeeper is very important and we hear Herb Brooks talk about that relationship. Try to keep them all on the bubble as long as possible. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to give anybody the thing that hey, I, <coughs> I played my games with Jimmy Craig uh, right up into the end, right? We were playing the Soviets right at Madison Square Garden one day before the, the Lake Placid. I said, Jimmy, and I knew I had to tweak him again. And he was playing well, but I was going to say, it was a mind thing with him. I said, Jimmy, I fucked up. He said, what do you mean? I said, I played you too long, your curveball is hanging. Not your fault. My fault. I see elements in your game, you're playing tired. My fault, Jimmy. And he says, what? I said, I got to play Janicek here half the game, and I want to give him some work because I, I just see some flaws now. And I'm kicking myself, Jimmy. It's not your fault. I, I played it too long. And he said, it's my job. I'll show you, you dirty blah, blah, blah. Right. So halfway through that game, I yanked him. I yanked him yeah. right there in front of 18,000 masks. And he came and he was livid. Okay? And my last tweet with this guy. I knew what I had. And solid goalkeeper, but maintenance guy. All right? Because he, you know, I mean, if I didn't talk to him, I don't know how much the team talked to me. But anyway, uh, we go right in and and I start Craig, and I play right through, right through, because I know it's it's that he's he just is that right after right after we went it right to me with a finger in my she said I showed you didn't I I showed you didn't I said, yeah <laughs> I said you sure did Jimmy I said did a hell of a job. Another player in the team that needed the same kind of challenging was Rob McClanahan. We just came off of just getting our ass kicked in Madison Square Garden. What was it? 8-10-1 or something by the Soviets. Or 10-3. So we had to come back. I just said, hey, I talked to our doctor. I talked to our, our assistant coach. I said, hey, I got something. I got to shake these boys up. I mean, they're, they're frozen. They had 
So it just so happened McClanahan, who I've been with for four years, and I know this kid, I know his family, and I know what buttons the press with this kid. And uh, so I took the tough road. And he had the bad things. Yeah, it's too bad. I was a long way from the heart, kid. So I can't can't sit down and sit up. Stand up. <laughs> you know. Holy crap, he's after me out with the whole locker room. <laughs> it's a true story. And who was that? I mean, it could have gone the other way, too. And I could have shut this up. But I'm just saying that's what happened. And, and uh, well, that's what's so amazing, though. But I did this, I talked to the doctor about it. I said, Can he get hurt worse? No. He's got a bad hematoma. Can he play? It's going to look like you know, fire. As I said, a long way from the heart. You know, so, so Robbie just goes poofy and, and played the whole locker room wakes up and and I sort of walked out and went that Craig Patrick assistant coach. There you go. There you go. <laughs> if you get a shot of that, you get a shot of the plan and stands up the whole game. He couldn't sit down. And he played. He played like hell. He's a hell of a player. So we saw how he challenge Rob McClanahan. Let's find out how we did it with Jack O'Callaghan. Jack O'Callaghan, when he tore up his knee, and he said, in Massacre Garden, he, I could have just said, God, I'll bring somebody else in. But he was very important to that chemistry, okay? He was a very charismatic guy, a spirit at the National Anthem, but after, you know, and, he, and, and I was... I used him in a sense, that's another little mind game, you know, the the story when I, the whipping boy thing, he never asked, but I know what I was doing, and he was a bright kid, wanted to be you, could have gone to Harvard, a bright, tough, uh, and someone I knew I could trust and yet I didn't know. So I told the story, now listen, I knew how to, and I said, when I say OC, okay, I'm yapping at you, and now the message goes to everybody, I was on his ass, OC this, OC that, and he was... Man, when I, but if I say Jack, you know I'm unhappy with you. I said, you know, he he took it, he stood it, and now guys say, oh, Craig Scrubs on OC today. Oh, <laughs> and then he would, he was so good, he would ratchet it up and, and do a little more of this and that and handle the thing. But it just was part of the team building thing, okay? Now let's hear from Herb how he worked the team. I could have I could have probably picked this team in July and I've been real close. I knew what these guys were, but I wasn't gonna let anybody know, let alone the players. And if you declare yourself, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you got a pro team. Yeah, they said, well I got this team made or whatever. I kept them on the bubble. That's a key thing. I kept them on the bubble and there's a lot of ways to keep up Tony, what I did with Jimmy Craig right there, he was on the bubble. I kept Jimmy Craig on the bubble right the day before. So there's a lot of different ways I kept him on the bubble to keep this up. Some were good, some I, I probably would do all. Okay. But that was the math. Yeah, I walked by guys and maybe, you know, nah, I didn't say, hey, how's your how you mom and dad? How's this? How's it? Anything I can do for you? And now we come to one of the iconic scenes, at least as far as I'm concerned, in the movie Miracle, and it's what happened after a preseason game against Norway. You might have read something about my skate of them after a game. Yes. yes. And you just don't do that. Right. And we're playing with our legions, and the guys wanted their time, and they were a bunch of individuals, and they were 
listen to their agents and they're going to turn pro and they're pissing and moaning and bickering and I said, oh. So I got to draw a line with Sam right away. Well, what did they do in the ice that game? Well, they, did, they didn't take it serious. They were not respectful to the opposition. They didn't play with the necessary intensity, with or without the puck, offensively, defensively. You know, they just sort of took a night off. So, I said, I told him before, he said, we get a good workout now, or we'll get it after the game. <laughs> <laughs> the guy said, no, no, it's ever done that. Well, I did. Would I do it again? Oh, boy, I don't know. I probably not. I mean, I... That was one of the things that you like to have a tape back, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting because it, from my research, I learned that a lot of the guys say that that was one of the moments that they sort of crystallized the realization that it's us against him. And there's been a lot of those. <laughs> that, I think that, I think that was that was not so much us against me in the sense, other than holding him to that standard. But that, I don't think that was. That was a moment where they understood that they got to come to work and bust their ass, and whatever they, whatever talent they had had to come up. I wasn't going to give them a night off. I was not going to let them just, uh, well, it's okay, boys. We had one of those games. No, I wasn't. Every day was important in the building, but I wasn't going to give them a day off. And I was going to hold them to high standards. That was the, I think that's what they took out of that and say, hey, we better, we better show up here and bust our ass. And we'll end with. Herb's feelings about winning the gold medal. What was your feeling about, uh, in terms of loneliness, uh, in terms of the team out there, Man, well, what you had, what you had done, and at that moment, I mean, was it a, was it a bit of a blur then? Or? Yeah, I can't go back, but you know, it was, you know, it was very emotionally for me. It was a very emotional moment, and. Uh, so I just, I just was, I was off by myself, uh, and you know, just a, you know, a, a reflecting type thing. But you know, in, in, in retrospect, I mean, this was the whole thing about this whole thing was it was a team that accomplished something, not a little individuals. And to give credibility to that, this team won all the major sporting awards. The the, the top event of the last hundred years was given to a team. Uh, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year was given to a team. Uh, the ABC Sportsman of the Year was given to a team. All the sporting awards of that year, and the biggest one of the last year, was given to a team. It was not given to an individual. So it, this is what I was trying to build as a team. All right? And so that is probably the most gratifying thing to me, to have a group being recognized as opposed to Michael Jordan. Great athletes, they're all great young athletes, but it was the synergy that that transformed their talents into something else. And that's what I was trying to do. I think most people would agree that scene in the motion picture miracle that probably had the greatest impact on the, the viewer and certainly had the greatest impact on the actual team was that situation following the pre-competition game versus Norway, where Herb was not a happy camper. He was not pleased at all with the, uh, the, the enthusiasm, enthusiasm sorry, and the desire that the American players had uh, expended during that pre-competition game. And as the players went to file out, the assistant coach, Craig Patrick, was there saying, 
just stay on the ice. Uh, the coach has something that he wants to say and do with you. And, of course, what he wanted to do, what Herb Brooks wanted to do, was to bring his team together in common purpose. And one of the uh, points that he made was the team couldn't be common men. They had to be uncommon. They had to do things that were different. They had to do things that were more than the opposition would do. So he started out with his Herbie drills, where the players lined up on the goal line, skated hard to the near blue line, back to the goal line, then hard to the center line, back to the goal line, then to the far blue line, back to the goal line, then goal line to goal line, ending back at the original goal line. And between the Herbies, there were all kinds of iconic expressions delivered by Herb Brooks. During training camp, every once in a while, and this came out very clearly in the motion picture, Herb would say, who do you play for? And to a, to a player, the response was the university team that they played for. And Herb would kind of roll his eyes and not make any further comment. But back to the Herbies after the game against Norway, when the players were so tired they could hardly stand up and... Herb instructed uh, Craig Patrick to blow the whistle one more time. Mike Ruzioni, one of the very few players who did not go on to a career in the National Hockey League, spoke up and he said, Mike Ruzioni. And Herb Brooks said, and who do you play for? And this was, the, this was what Herb Brooks was waiting to hear. I play for the United States of America. Herb then turned to Craig Patrick, his assistant coach, and said, that's all, gentlemen. The one thing that I took from all of the sections of the audio of this meeting was that so often we hear that you you have to treat all the players in your team the same. Uh, no, you don't, and nor should you. What you need to do is you need to treat all the players on your team fairly Every player is different, and so it doesn't make any sense at all to treat them the same. Some need to be pushed. Some need to be encouraged. Some need another approach. But you press the buttons, and we saw that uh, a number of times, especially with Jim Craig, because he, he, Herb Brooks, kept Jim Craig, as Herb said, on the bubble right up to the end. And, and he really wanted to challenge Jim Craig, and it was it was all over. Craig went up to him and said, See, Coach, I showed you. And, of course, Herb Brooks had a twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face because that's exactly why he treated Jim Craig differently, as he did with so many of the other players. Thank you for joining me once again behind a pane in the glass. This is Bill Shearhart, National Coach with Curling Canada, hoping that you'll tune in again in about a week for another episode of a pain in the glass podcast until then stay safe everyone and of course think only those happy thoughts